Cyrene, who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of the women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breast that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they, do, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. <clears throat> well, we have a tradition in our church that before the celebration of Christmas, uh, we recognize the liturgical season of Advent. Advent, those four Sundays that precede Christmas, helping us to focus on the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. Advent is not the only liturgical season. Uh, there are others. There is a liturgical season that began just over two weeks ago on February 22, the season of Lent. Lent are those 40 days that precede Easter. 40 days that precede the celebration of Christ's resurrection from the dead. And this year, I thought it might be appropriate that uh, beyond just doing an Advent series at Christmas time, we do a Lenten series to help us to prepare for, for that glorious Easter Sunday celebrating Christ's resurrection, remembering what he did for us. And just like uh, Advent is not so much concerned about the externals, whether that be candles for Advent or ashes for Lent, it's about the Word of God. It's about looking to the Word of God and being once again reminded and instructed to prepare our hearts for the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, this year, for Lent, we are going to look at the seven last words of Christ from the cross. Now, kids, when I say the seven last words of Christ, we actually mean the seven last phrases or sentences of Christ. What were the seven last things that Christ said before his crucifixion? We will look at those together between now and Easter Sunday. This morning, we look at the first word from the cross, 
The word, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. A word of forgiveness. And and an appropriate word. As this morning, beyond the written word of God, the preached word of God, we have the visible word of God as we come to the Lord's table. A word of forgiveness. A word, we must not forget, spoken by Jesus himself. Think of what he had just gone through. Jesus had been arrested by the authorities. Jesus had been falsely accused. Jesus had been betrayed by one of his closest confidants, Peter. Jesus had been mocked by the guards. All of this he goes through heightens the significance of this word, Father, forgive them. Unjustly accused, but he doesn't speak in his own defense. He doesn't speak in anger. He speaks a word of forgiveness for those who were so badly mistreating him. It is a word spoken by Jesus, spoken to his Father. Don't forget who he is. He is no criminal like the other two criminals crucified with him. He is the Son of God. Of God. The one, the one who came to do the will of his Father. The one who was perfectly accomplishing that task God gave him to do. And now he is there hanging on a cross. He doesn't curse God. He doesn't blame God. But rather, he says, Father. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. A word of forgiveness spoken by Jesus. A word of forgiveness spoken in love for others. As I said, Jesus doesn't focus on himself. Jesus doesn't focus on what he is going through. He doesn't see himself as a victim of his circumstance. In fact, he tells those who are mourning for him they shouldn't do that. Back in verse 27, And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. They're lamenting for him. What does Jesus say? Oh yes, feel bad for me? And turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and your children. Don't weep for me. Don't weep for what I am going through. Weep for yourself and for your children. In fact, he goes on to say in verse 29, For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren. To be 
a woman in Israel who was barren was not a sign of blessing, it was a sign of curse. The women in Israel knew the prophecy of a son of a woman who would come to crush the head of the serpent Satan. And all of them had that expectation. Maybe it would be my child. Maybe the one I bear will be that, that, that promised Messiah from so long ago. And so to be barren, unable to have children, was a sign of curse. And yet Jesus says, the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore. Because he knows of the coming judgment of God. Verse 30, and they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills cover us. Because the coming judgment of God against all those who would not embrace him. There's terrible things, Jesus says. God himself will come in judgment. Don't, don't feel sorry for me. But mourn for yourselves. Lament for your children. Lament for the judgment that they will go through. No, Jesus, Jesus doesn't, doesn't speak this word of self-pity. It's a word of love for others. We will see as we go through this series that Jesus... Uh, at times will take on his lips the words of the Psalms. Jesus obviously knew the Psalter very, very well. And yet, yet the words he will take up are not the imprecations of the Psalms, not the curses in the Psalms, uh, break the teeth of the wicked, dash their infants against the rocks. Those aren't the words he takes on his lips. He takes words of care, words of concern, words of love, and words of forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This word spoken in love has been a word that, that, that can be a bit confusing. Does Jesus really want God to forgive them? They are committing the most heinous crime in all of history. Does Jesus really want God to, to forgive them for what they are doing? To understand this first word from the cross, this word of forgiveness. We have to know how, how the word forgiveness is used in the book of Luke. And we've talked in our Wednesday night class about a word having a certain semantic range and a word being used in a particular way by a particular author. That's the case with Luke. In, in the Gospel of Luke, when we read about forgiveness, it is not so much a reference to what God does for us, the act of God in forgiving us. When Luke, in his gospel, uses the word forgiveness, it is more often a reference to 
to God bringing us to a place where we recognize our sin and confess our sin. That is Jesus' word from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Bring them to a place where they will recognize what has happened, what has taken place, and they will confess that sin, they will repent of that sin. Forgiveness in Luke deals with that process of of, of acknowledgement of our fallenness, of our sinfulness, and looking to God to be faithful to his promises. That's, That's what Jesus says from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Bring them to recognize the significance of this event, the Son of God unjustly accused hanging on a cross. It was a word spoken by Jesus, Son of God. It was a word spoken in love for others. And it was a word spoken for the guilty. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They did not recognize the full significance of their actions. They did not recognize how how terrible things had become. He says in verse 31 uh, this phrase, for if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? That is, things are bad now and they will continue to get worse. They don't recognize the, 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 the fullness of what's taking place here. The Son of God dying on a cross. And yet it, it is a word spoken for the guilty that might be an encouragement to them if God in His grace should bring them to acknowledge their sin. Can you imagine if you were one of those there at the cross, calling out, jeering, mocking, making fun, seeing Jesus hanging there, doing nothing about it. And then later, by the grace of God, perhaps through one of the disciples or someone else, hearing the truth about who this was. That he was Jesus Christ, Son of God, and and by God's grace, embracing that truth. And yet saying, but I was there. I mocked. I jeered. I, I, I am beyond the pale of God's forgiveness. It was a word of hope and a word of encouragement that they would not be overwhelmed by their sin should God grant them the gift of forgiveness, of acknowledging what they had done. A word of hope, a word of encouragement for them, a word of encouragement for us as well. It's easy for us to look back at our lives, at the choices we've made, the actions we've done, 
and to say, you know, I, I, I know the Gospel, I've heard the Gospel, but my sin is just too great. God couldn't forgive the things that I have done. And then we hear this word from the cross. Those who crucified the Lord of life. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. We cannot out-sin the love and grace of God. We cannot commit something so big that God is unable to forgive. Father, forgive them, for they know not the significance of what they do. We hear this word from the cross, a word of forgiveness, and we are encouraged. And we are comforted. They did not know what they were doing. They did not know the significance. We who live on this side of the cross, we do know. We have the scriptures, we have the gospels, we have, we have the story of Jesus Christ and what was taking place. We know what God was doing. We know it because we hear it from the pulpit, Lord's Day after Lord's Day, and this morning we see it as we come to the Lord's table. The crucified body and shed blood of Christ given for us. They perhaps could claim ignorance, but we cannot. And so God calls us this morning to recognize what Jesus Christ was doing there. To recognize he was hanging there for my sin, for our sin. He was the one who took the sins of all of his people on himself and bore them all the way to the cross that we might be set free. Free from the guilt of sin. Free from the shame of sin. Free from the burden of sin. And so he calls us this morning to embrace this Jesus Christ by faith. No matter how big your sins are, no matter what you have done, to embrace Jesus Christ as the one and only Savior of his people and hear this word of forgiveness that God by his grace might bring us to acknowledge our sin, to confess our sin, to repent of our sin, and to know the, the significance and the reality of what took place on that cross. The body and blood of Jesus given for the complete forgiveness of all of our sins. The last thing we read in this portion of the story from verse 34. And they cast lots to divide his garments. There were those who were there and they wanted to take something physical from the cross. They wanted to, to take the spoils of Jesus. They cast lots for his garments, concerned to, to take whatever, whatever physical thing they could away from the crucifixion experience. 
rather than looking for some external clothing. They should have They should have embraced Jesus Christ and prayed that they would be clothed not with his garments, but rather clothed with his righteousness. He was fulfilling all righteousness as he hung there on the cross. They were concerned to take away something temporary, nothing permanent, nothing lasting. This morning we come to the table of the Lord. Physical elements, bread and wine. What what do we leave with today? Having eaten a small piece of bread, having drank a small cup of wine. Or do we leave with that to which they point? Do we leave having been fed on the body and blood of Christ and so nourished in our souls, strengthened that we might go forth from this place to live for God in our homes, at our work, wherever God takes us? Not not the physical things, but he gives us the spiritual reality. The body and blood of Christ by the Holy Spirit to strengthen us in our walk with God. Oh, may God use this word and this sacrament that we might repent and believe and know the spiritual truth of what is going on as we come to the table of the Lord. We look at the first word from the cross, a word of forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. A word spoken by Jesus, one who had been maligned, one who had been mistreated, and yet spoken Spoken in concern, in love for others. Spoken in love for us, the guilty, who now by His grace may embrace the truth of who He is, who now, who now by His grace may come to the table and, and, and appreciate the spiritual significance beyond the earthly elements. But what God is doing to remind us That for all who place their trust in this Jesus Christ, we have the assurance of the absolute forgiveness of our sins. No matter what we have done, no matter how big they might be, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for your word, for all of your word. We thank you for the words of your Son, Jesus Christ, and particularly those last seven words that he spoke from the cross. As we look at these words together, O God, please use them to encourage us, to strengthen us, to comfort us. We are so thankful for a word of forgiveness. We know, O God, we have not merited forgiveness. We have not deserved forgiveness. It is of your love and it is of your grace. But help us to hear this word and by your Spirit take it to heart. Know that we can come with joy to the table of our Lord because we have been washed, because we have been cleansed, because we have been forgiven of all of our sins. Lord God, use your word, use the sacrament by the power of your spirit to encourage us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
As we prepare to come to the table of the Lord, we will read together the form in the back of our praise book that is found on page 45 in the back section. I'm going to begin where it says, celebrating our salvation in Christ. Let us also consider the purpose for which our Lord has instituted his supper, that we should do this in remembrance of him. And this is how we remember him by it. First, let us be fully persuaded in our hearts that our Lord Jesus Christ, according to the promises made to our forefathers in the Old Testament, was sent by the Father into this world, that he assumed our flesh and blood, that he took upon himself for us the wrath of God, under which we should have perished eternally, that from the beginning of his incarnation until the end of his life on earth, he fulfilled for us all obedience and righteousness of the divine law. This was especially evident when the weight of our sins and of the wrath of God caused him to sweat drops of blood in the garden. He was bound so that we might be loosed from our sins. And afterward, he suffered countless insults so that we might never be put to shame. Let us confidently believe that he was innocent yet put to death that we might be acquitted on the day of judgment that he even allowed his own blessed body to be nailed to the cross so as to cancel the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. In doing so, he took from us the curse and bore it himself so that he might fill us with his blessing. He humbled himself to the very deepest reproach and anguish of hell in body and soul on the cross when he cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did all of this that we might be accepted by God, never to be rejected by him. Indeed, with his death and the shedding of his blood, he confirmed the new and eternal covenant the covenant of grace and reconciliation, when he said, it is finished. In order that we might firmly believe that we belong to this covenant of grace, during the Last Supper, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. That is, as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, as a sure reminder and pledge, you shall be admonished and assured of my great love and faithfulness toward you. Because you otherwise would have suffered eternal death, I give my body and blood for you in my death on the cross." And as certainly as this bread is broken before you and this cup is given to you, and with your mouth you eat and drink in remembrance of me, so surely do I nourish and refresh for everlasting life your hungry and thirsty souls with my crucified body and shed blood. From the institution of this holy supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, we see that he directs our faith to his perfect sacrifice, once offered on the cross, 
as the only foundation of our salvation. By this sacrifice, he has become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true food and drink of life eternal. For by his death, he has taken away the cause of our eternal death and misery, our sin. He has also obtained for us the life-giving spirit who dwells in Christ our head and enables us, who are his members, to have communion with him and be made partakers of his riches, including eternal life, righteousness, and glory. Besides, by this same Spirit, we are also united as members of one body in true Christian love. As the Apostle Paul says, Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. As many grains are ground to prepare one loaf of bread, and as many grapes are pressed together to produce wine, so we who by true faith are incorporated into Christ shall be one body through Christian love for the sake of our dear Savior Jesus Christ. He loved us so greatly in order that we might show his love toward one another, not only in words, but also in deeds. May the Almighty merciful God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, help us in this through his Holy Spirit. Amen. That we may obtain all these blessings. Let us humble ourselves before God with true faith and implore him for his grace. Let us pray together. Merciful God and Father, we cherish the blessed memory of the death and suffering of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. We ask that in this supper you will so work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that with true confidence we might give ourselves up more and more unto your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that this might allow our burdened and contrite hearts to be nourished and refreshed with the true body and blood of him who is true God and true man, the only heavenly bread. Empower us to no longer live in our sins, knowing that he lives in us and we in him. May we truly be partakers of the new and everlasting covenant of grace. May we not doubt that you will forever be our gracious Father, who does not impute the guilt of our sins to us, and who provides us with all that we need for body and soul as your dear children and heirs. Grant us also your grace, that we may take up our cross cheerfully, deny ourselves, confess our Savior, and in all tribulation, with uplifted head, expect our Lord Jesus Christ from heaven. There he will make our mortal bodies like unto his glorified body, and take us to be with him in eternity. Answer us, O God and merciful Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. By this holy supper, may we be strengthened in the Catholic, undoubted Christian faith of which we make profession with heart and mouth. Let's all confess the Apostles' Creed, saying, I believe in God the Father Almighty.
For all visitors who have requested permission from the elders, we welcome you to come to the table of our Lord. That we may be nourished with Christ, the true bread from heaven. Let us not cling with our hearts to external things like bread and wine, but lift our hearts to heaven, where our advocate Jesus Christ is at the right hand of his heavenly Father, where the articles of our Christian faith direct us. Let us not doubt that we shall be nourished and refreshed in our souls with his body and blood through the working of the Holy Spirit, as truly as we receive the holy bread and drink in remembrance of him. The bread that we break is a communion of the body of Christ.
Take, eat, remember, and believe the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. The cup of blessing, which we bless, is a communion of the blood of Christ.
Take, drink, remember, and believe the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was shed for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Beloved in the Lord, since the Lord has now nourished our souls at his table, let us together praise his holy name with thanksgiving. Let everyone say in his heart, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all within me bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Therefore, my mouth and heart shall show forth the praise of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray together. O oh, merciful God and Father, we thank you with all our heart that of your boundless mercy you have given us your only begotten Son for a mediator, the sacrifice for our sins, and as our food and drink unto life eternal. We also thank you that you give us a true faith, whereby we become partakers of these benefits. You have united us to Christ and to each other in the communion of saints. You have given your Son for us and to us, and have proclaimed his saving death to the whole world. Having signified and sealed the atoning sacrifice of your Son for us, we ask that you would, by your Spirit, also make us witnesses to this good news among our neighbors. Strengthen us in faith to live gratefully in this present age as we await our Savior's return in glory. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's turn together to number 103 in the Trinity Psalter Hymnal, 103 Selection E. We will sing together all five verses. We'll remain seated while the offering for the Benevolent Fund is received. Number 103 E, verses 1 through 5.
Receive the parting blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.